will regulate and militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad that you're with us today. After what was uh, yet another violent weekend filled with unrest from coast to coast, you had uh, massive uh, protests and uh, uh, some sporadic violence in our nation's capital. Uh, you had a, a shooting in Portland, Oregon, where uh, supporters of uh, President Trump uh, drove into town on Saturday night. There were uh, scuffles uh, on the streets, and then there were uh, shots fired, and uh, one individual uh, dropped dead. Now, we don't have any official suspects as of the time that I'm recording this, although uh, police sources have been talking to the press uh, there in, or- in uh, the state of Oregon, and uh, they have said that there is a person that they are investigating. Uh, as it turns out, an individual known to law enforcement uh, facing, uh, well, let's see, he was arrested in July for illegally carrying a gun uh, at one of these uh, protests in Portland. Those charges apparently dropped by prosecutors uh, about a month ago. Still don't know why. Back in June, this individual uh, caught in Eastern Oregon after uh, racing his 17-year-old son, apparently down an interstate. Uh, when he was pulled over, he was uh, charged with uh, DUI, charged with, uh, again, possession of a uh, unlicensed firearm, uh, as well as some uh, drug charges as well. This individual's uh, 11-year-old daughter, apparently, in the car at the uh, same time. So, uh, innocent until proven guilty. Again, this uh, individual not even named a formal suspect yet, but... Uh, apparently uh, is the subject of an investigation identified by family members uh, as uh, being on the scene of that shooting and then leaving uh, pretty much right after those shots were fired. Somebody uh, known to law enforcement there in Portland, known to law enforcement across the state, and uh, not exactly somebody you'd call a Boy Scout. We will uh, continue to keep our eyes uh, on any new developments out of Portland, Oregon, as well as uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, where uh, President Donald Trump is expected to uh, speak this week uh, after uh, uh, finally getting Tony Evers, the governor of Wisconsin, to agree to putting more National Guardsmen on the streets. Things have been fairly quiet uh, in Kenosha as a result, and uh, President Trump wants to uh, go to Kenosha to say, look, this is how you stop this type of violence. Interestingly enough, by the way, uh, authorities in Kenosha have said that of the uh, more than 100 people arrested uh, over the course of the past week, they have come from 44 different cities. So we are seeing this phenomenon, I think, on on both the, the left and the right, or those who are opposed to the police, those who are coming out to support the police. These cities are becoming these flashpoints, and they're bringing people in. Uh, we're not seeing necessarily, you know, millions of people across the country all of a sudden stand up and say, oh, I'm going to go break down the windows in my neighborhood. That's not what's happening. You've got a fairly small group of people uh, who seem to be operating with some degree of coordination and certainly a, a shared ideology that when there's an incident like the shooting of Jacob Blake, when those protests first erupt, they grab their keys, they hop in their car, and man, they take off. And they want to go to ground zero. They want to be there not to bring peace, but again, to uh, stir up some chaos. And unfortunately, you know, again, this is um, playing out in cities across the country, and it has for months and months uh, as the nation has become more and more divided. So I was thinking about this this weekend because I, I do believe that the Second Amendment 
and the Second Amendment movement in this country, and I've said it here on this program many times before, it's, I think, the biggest tent that we have in American politics. Because you have people across the political spectrum who are Second Amendment supporters. There are people who I disagree with on virtually every issue under the sun, except our right to keep and bear arms. And in years past, we've often been able to put those political differences aside. We've been able to find some sort of comedy in the Second Amendment community. And I worry that uh, those days are soon to be over. So I wanted to bring in to talk about this a guy who has done, I think, an incredible amount over the last few years to actually bring this big tent together and to make it even bigger. Tony Simon uh, is the founder of the Diversity Shoot in New Jersey, uh, which is a fantastic event uh, put on on a regular basis. I'm going to let Tony tell you all about it, but I I, I sat down with Tony uh, to talk not only about how the coronavirus has impacted the Diversity Shoot, but what he thinks about the idea that in this uh, day and age of deepening political divides, that maybe the Second Amendment's big tent is collapsing. Take a look and a listen. Tony, thanks so much for coming to the program, my friend. It is good to talk to you today. Hey, glad to be on. Really appreciate it. Haven't seen you much because of COVID, so usually we run into each other two or three times a year. I know, right? But uh, yeah, I think the last time I basically went to, I, I made it to SHOT Show this year. Uh, CPAC, I guess, was my my last big event. Then everything got shut down. I'll be attending the gun rights policy conference virtually uh, here in the uh, you know next few days, and 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 hopefully, got my fingers crossed that uh, maybe you know twenty twenty one shot show is going to go off. I talked with uh, Larry Keene of the NSSF last week, and they say as long as Las Vegas doesn't shut down conventions, uh, they are planning on an in person shot show. So hopefully, we will get to see each other uh, before then. But you know, listen. I mean, you're up there in New Jersey. You put on this incredible event on a regular basis called Diversity Shoot. Uh, first of all, before we even get into how you know this has been affected by the uh, coronavirus closures, what is the Diversity Shoot all about? Well, the Diversity Shoot is really something uh, we put together in 2015 to get all people, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, background, anything to come into a range, meet Second Amendment advocates, meet real gun people, and kind of dispel that negative media narrative of what the gun owner is. We just want to introduce people to firearms in a um, way that they feel inclusive. Let them know this is their right. This is how to fight for their right by introducing them to advocacy groups. Tell them about laws coming down the path. And if you're a gun person, cool. If you're not a gun person, we'll introduce you to it. If you get there and go, you know what? I don't even want to go shoot. That's fine with us too. And if you have questions, we are not going to attack you. We're actually going to answer questions. So the whole thing is just to set up a setup to be the anti-moms, <laughs> anti-moms demand. <laughs> That's awesome. We're welcoming and we answer questions. So, so. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the gun stores, uh, basically, you, you, there was a lawsuit that uh, had to be filed before Governor Phil Murphy uh, finally agreed to reopen gun stores. But ranges were still shut down in New Jersey for months and even now operating in limited capacity. So so how have uh, the anti-gun laws and the, uh, the the coronavirus closures impacted your ability to put these shoots on over the last few months? Well, we had, um, we started out at Gun for Hire Range in, in Woodland Park, New Jersey. Anthony Calandro was a wonderful host and, and he's one of the reasons we still have one. But being in New Jersey, he can't host events and keep his place open because our attendees will take his place past 25% capacity limitation governor has on range on 
indoor ranges in New Jersey. Luckily, uh, the Heritage Guild is located in Phillipsburg, uh, not Phillipsburg, Eastern PA, which is right across the border from Phillipsburg, New Jersey. They allowed us to have our first diversity shoot last week. It was great. Um, people came out. Sig, actually Sig Sawyer, sent a rep down to the store, and we had a great time. We had people out of all races, all backgrounds. Uh, we had Hold My Guns, an organization, come out and talk about what they do uh, in suicide prevention. And it was really a great organization, but I had to book the rest of the year in Pennsylvania because we don't know when Governor Phil Murphy will allow us to have full capacity in ranges in New, indoor ranges in New Jersey. You know, I mean, on the one hand, I, I think it's kind of cool that you're able to expand outside of New Jersey. I just wish it were uh, for different reasons. But it's fantastic that the attendance was so good. I mean, look, we are seeing record numbers of uh, gun sales uh, in New Jersey itself, I think. I think I reported a couple of weeks ago, they're, they're looking at like a backlog of, uh, or they had 60,000 people apply for their uh, firearm ID cards between, I think it was January and uh, maybe July of this year, which, you know, record setting numbers in New Jersey. So clearly the demand is there. The supply, perhaps not so much. Um, but what was it like? I mean, you know, as, as you say, this was an opportunity for people uh, of all races, all colors, creeds, backgrounds to get together and embrace uh, and enjoy a, a day at the range. At a time, Tony, in which uh, this country seems to be, you know, being ripped apart at the seams, um, was there any tension uh, between, you know, conservative <laughs> gun owners, non-conservative gun owners? How did this, how did it work in, in, in practice, this last diversity shoot? Uh, truthfully, the only questioning thing happened is, do you have to keep a face mask on or not? That was the only question we had. People got along fine. We had uh, a lot of my guys from New Jersey, volunteers, men and women came out um, to help. We had people from Pennsylvania come out. We even had a couple of ladies from Brooklyn, New York that made the, uh, that drove out to wow. be a part of this. Yeah, so, yeah, there was no friction in any way whatsoever. We had a great time. We had food. We had prizes. Um, it's just fun. Um, matter of fact, I'm trying to make up for lost time. I usually have it every other month. Well, now it's every month. One diversity issue a month is going to be held at the Heritage Guild in Eastern PA. When is the next one going to take place, Tony? Do you know? Yep, the next one is going to be uh, September 17th, 6 p.m. Uh, I'll have the... Uh, Ticket information up on my website, diversityshoot.com, by the end of the day. All right. September, you said 17th? September Thursday, September 17th. It's already on our Facebook page. The second is for everyone. And uh, I'll have it on the diversityshoot.com uh, website this afternoon. All right. All right. I don't know if I can make it up to Easton, PA on a weekday, but uh, I would love to try uh, so I could get to see you in person and get to check this out. How concerned are you generally, though, about, you know, you and I are talking about this a little bit off air. I've always believed that the Second Amendment uh, has been one of the biggest tent movements in in politics, particularly in recent years. And I am not, um, you know, the idea that we have, you know, Democrat gun owners, far left gun owners, socialist gun owners, uh, well aware of that. And in years past, it seems like we've always sort of been able to maybe put our other politics aside and at least work towards that common goal of making sure that our Second Amendment rights are safe and secure. Are, are, are you concerned about this big tent maybe collapsing a little bit because of the, uh, the, 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 you know, the unrest that we're seeing play out in our streets, the, the violence, the calls for police reform, the calls to back the blue? Is this having an impact on the Second Amendment community? 
It could if we allow it to. Uh, the divisiveness that we're seeing is being engineered. It's not happening organically. So at the diversity issue, we only talk about the Second Amendment. We talk about the things we have in common. The divisiveness, I won't allow enter into it. Other people see that's the spirit of what we're doing, and they won't allow it either. Uh, that's the bad part about what we see in social media. Everyone's allowed to run amok with their opinions, and it's not leading to anything positive. And our whole thing with diversity issues is to be positive. We have all of this in common. We want peace in the streets. We want jobs. We want our kids to be able to go to school together and have healthy, loving relationships. Don't allow what people have engineered to separate us. Let's work together. That's all. And we can do it because we're Americans and we do awesome stuff. Absolutely. Um, what kind of impact do you think uh, these new gun owners might have in New Jersey politics? I mean, I know this is New Jersey, believe it or not, has, you know, a, a pretty healthy number of gun owners already. Uh, but it does seem like there's been this surge in interest in, in uh, folks wanting to exercise their Second Amendment rights now running sort of, you know, headlong into New Jersey gun laws. Um, are you hopeful that some of these new gun owners or or, or people who want to be gun owners uh, will now start taking a, a, a greater interest in uh, protecting their right to keep and bear arms politically? Well, what we're trying to do is actually welcome those people into the fold. Um, I don't hold out any more hope that they're going to be any more political active than the other gun owners have that if the one million gun owners we already have in the state that don't vote is a block. But I'm going to lay the carpet out for them um, because now they were desperate to get a firearm. They found out what New Jersey law is like and maybe a few of them will want to do something about it. And that's where we come in with diversity shooting other Second Amendment organizations in the state. It's our job to welcome these people and shepherd them in the right way. And just it's not our job to change their mind politically, just mm -hmm. make them aware of what their options are. There you go. All right, That's Tony, give us the website one more time for uh, for folks who want to know more about Diversity Shoot and how they can attend. Really simple, diversityshoot.com. We'll have the schedule up for the rest of the year this afternoon, and you can go to our Facebook page, The Second is for Everyone, uh, buy a ticket there. All right. Tony Simon, as always, man, great talking with you. Thank you for everything that you're doing for our right to keep and bear arms in New Jersey and now in Pennsylvania as well. I guess we can throw in Brooklyn. I mean, really, it's like it's more than the tri-state area. You are a you are a, a Second Amendment superhero uh, in, in that area. And uh, we do appreciate all your support. And I am going to do what I can uh, to rearrange my schedule and get things worked out. Uh, if, if I need to RSVP for the uh, 17th, I will do so, but I'm going to try to make it up there to Eastern PA, uh, Easton PA in Eastern PA for the university <laughs> shoot. <laughs> yeah. Eastern PA. Um, no problem. We have one every month this year. Awesome. All right, Tony, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you for everything you do. And we'll talk again soon. I do appreciate uh, Tony Joyce on the program. I really am going to try to do what I can. I, oh, you know, I just remembered. I did tell, I did tell Rick Hector that the next road trip I took was going to be to Detroit, and Easton, PA, would technically be a road trip. All right, I've got some decisions to do. Maybe I can drive to Detroit. That's a little out of the way of Easton, PA, but I'll figure something out because I do want to get up to Detroit and I do want to get to one of the diversity shoots before the end of the year. All right. Right now, though, I want to get to today's Armed Citizen story. I want to get to our recidivist report. I want to get to our good deed of the day. 
We'll uh, we'll try to get the bad news out of the way first here with the recidivist report uh, story out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You can see the uh, headline from the morning call. He was pleading for his life. Registered sex offender charged in the shooting death of a fleeing boy in Harrisburg. This is, man, I got to tell you, this is a disturbing story uh, that played out over the weekend. A teenage boy shot and killed Saturday afternoon in Harrisburg was fleeing naked from a registered sex offender who's now facing criminal charges. Ter- uh, Tracy Burton, one of the uh, neighbors who watched this all unfold, she said he was pleading for his life. 45-year-old Orlando Duarte of Harrisburg now facing charges of criminal homicide as well as prohibited possession of a firearm. After the shooting, which took place about 1 p.m. Saturday afternoon, police said on Sunday they responded to the scene for a call of shots fired. When they got there, residents directed him towards the area where the suspect fled. There was a short chase. Police were able to take Duarte into custody. Uh, Investigators said witnesses told them that Duarte, who was armed with a handgun, was chasing a juvenile who police did not identify. They said that Duarte fired several shots at the boy who was taken to a nearby hospital and then was pronounced dead a short time later. Duarte had a handgun on him when he was arrested. Tracy Burton was one of those who called 911. She said she was sitting on her porch when she saw the boy run naked and turn to cut between houses with Duarte close behind him. As she and other neighbors made their way towards the homes, they could hear the boy yelling, help me, which was soon followed by gunshots. He continued to yell help as the shots rang out. A uh, Harrisburg television station identified the boy as 16-year-old Kyan King. A uh, GoFundMe page been set up to help King's family with the funeral expenses. Duarte, in the meantime, had been added to the state's uh, sex offender registry in November of 2015, For involuntary deviant sexual intercourse, he's listed as a lifetime sex offender. He was sentenced. Now, here's the thing. Duarte, let's go go back more than a decade now. 2008, Duarte, according to the morning call, sentenced to 6 to 23 months of confinement and probation after pleading no contest to charges of simple assault, recklessly endangered another person, indecent assault of a person less than 16, as well as disorderly conduct. So he's 45 now. He would have been, what, in his early 30s in 2008 when he was first facing those charges. He apparently didn't spend much time behind bars because by 2012, he was sentenced to four to eight years in prison, as well as 10 years of probation on charges that included involuntary deviant sexual intercourse with a child, Aggravated indecent assault of a child, aggravated indecent assault without consent, indecent assault of a person less than 13, unlawful contact with a minor and corruption of minors. That was 2012. Four to eight year prison sentence. This was his second offense involving sexual abuse of a child. You would think then that the upper range of that sentence might be what Duarte would have served. But you would be wrong. I don't even think he served four years because the media reports indicate that he was convicted in 2012 of all of these charges. And yet in 2015, he was added to the state's registry of sex offenders. That normally happens after you're released from prison. So it sounds like Mr. Duarte did less than the minimum time that he was sentenced to before he was put back onto the streets. Now again, facing the most serious charges of his life, including first-degree murder in Harrisburg, PA. On to our uh, armed citizen story from uh, Iowa, Palo, Iowa, although I have a feeling this might be pronounced Palo. 
Iowa. Just having grown up in uh, the Midwest, sometimes we do like to pronounce our uh, town names a little bit differently than you might think. Lynn County, uh, Lynn County Sheriff's Office said multiple calls alerted them to a man breaking into a home uh, there in the uh, town of Palo or Palo around three o'clock Monday morning. Deputies in the area. When they got another call from a uh, home, officials there said the uh, homeowner had broken into that residence, had threatened to uh, harm the occupants, but the homeowner shot him. Deputies medical personnel began CPR. The intruder was pronounced dead. The incident remains under investigation. Again, this happened just a a few hours ago, so we don't have a lot of details, but hopefully we'll be able to bring you more information about that case and that self-defense shooting on tomorrow's Bearing Arms Cam & Company. Finally, today we've got today's good deed of the day. Also, uh, from a place I know fairly well, Barling, Arkansas, not too far away from uh, Fort Smith, where I actually started out my uh, career in broadcasting. And a uh, police officer in the right place at the right time to do the right thing. Check out this headline Barling officer helps child leaving school barefoot in rain, buys car seat for dad in exchange for a, a child safety restraint ticket. This comes from uh, Channel 5 in uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. Uh, officer Tyler Wagman, uh, excuse me, Wagner, is a, a patrol officer with the uh, Barling Police Department. Channel 5 says he has a reputation for being generous and compassionate with the community that he serves. Uh, Daryl Spells, who's the police chief in Barling, would agree with that assessment. said that uh, Officer Wagner's actions reflect our department's priority to positively influencing the citizens that we serve through community policing. So, Officer Wagner was directing traffic at the school, and he noticed a little girl and her two brothers that were starting to walk home, and he noticed that the little girl wasn't wearing shoes. Um, one woman who was there to pick up her own child, Amber Pittman, said she overheard the officer ask the little girl why she was walking barefoot, and she told the officer that her shoes broke. So uh, Amber Pittman said she heard the officer ask the kids to wait by him while he finished his traffic control assignment. Then he offered to drive them home. The little girl didn't have to walk home barefoot in the rain. Pittman said, uh, I heard him ask her if she had more shoes at home. It really just made me smile. These guys deserve more respect than they get. They really are so helpful. And because of him, this little girl didn't have to walk all the way home barefoot in the rain. He wasn't helping for any kind of recognition. He didn't even know anybody was watching. She said, that's the sweetest part. Well, Channel 5 reached out to Officer Wagner. And he said it bothered him to see this little girl walking with wet socks and no shoes. Didn't know her circumstances. He said, I thought about the rocks and the glass. And unfortunately, they used needles along the way. And how miserable of a walk that would be. He said, it broke my heart. I grew up with a mother that was an addict. And I didn't see my dad much between 12 and 18 years old. We were very poor. A lot of time, we had no food or even running water. Officer Wagner says he remembers going to school hungry wearing dirty clothes because he had nothing else. And he said, we hear about these stories and we think, how sad. But for these kids, that's life as they know it. And they have no loving home to escape to. He said, he knows it can be embarrassing for kids, but that they try to make the best of it. He said, when I see these kids, I know firsthand how they feel. I want to help them in every way possible. I want them to know that people really care and that life gets better. I had empathy for her so he told the kids again wait here i'll give you a ride home he said i was worried that the her broken shoes might be the only pair that she had i plan to get new shoes for her and her brothers if they needed them he asked their you know how was your day do you like your teachers he just he, he got him to open up a little bit 
And he said that uh, as he was getting ready to take them home, their mom showed up. He said they didn't know that she was coming. It was a little later when she got there, but the mother told them and me that she would always come to pick them up when it's raining. He um, told Channel 5 in Fort Smith, he said, you know, it's not about giving tickets and putting people in jail. That's not why he joined the police force. He said it's about helping somebody make a positive change in their life and wanting the best outcome for that individual. Which gets to that second part of the story. Wagner said he once pulled a man over in a routine traffic stop, noticed that the little uh, uh, boy inside the car did not have a, uh, a child seat. Officer Wagner gave the man a ticket, and a little bit later he said he thought about it, came up with an idea. He said he felt like the man seemed to be a good father and that if he had a car seat, he'd use it. So he went to Walmart, bought a new car seat, drove to the man's home, and said, hey, I'll make a deal. You give me back that ticket, I'll give you this car seat. Officer Wagner said, uh, Barling PD, proactive department that takes pride in our community, keeping it safe. We have a reputation in the past as being mean or rough, but the truth is the department's full of men that care about the community. We are all willing to do whatever it takes to make our corner of the world a better place. So in the right time, well, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing for a little girl and her family. Officer Tyler Wagner with the Barling, Arkansas Police Department, we thank you, sir, for your very good deeds. That is about all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Hope that you had a wonderful weekend and uh, we will be getting back to it. More of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation coming up on tomorrow's program. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media at YouTube. That way you never miss a program. Also, Bearing Arms Cam and Company, the podcast at the Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you download your uh, great audio programs, you will find us there as well. In the meantime, be well, be safe, be free, and we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company.